Welcome to the Green Data Center podcast, and today we are going to talk about LEAD, which is the Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design, and how that applies to data centers and them being green. You can learn a lot more by visiting the website, greendatacenterman.com. You can also visit the usgbc.org website to learn everything that there is to know about LEAD as well. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast as well as other sources in order to keep abreast of the latest changes in LEAD and the LEAD programs that are happening throughout the world. Now, LEAD stands for the Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design. That's where that acronym came from. So it's L-E-E-D if you're looking for it on the, the web, the internet. And it's basically the premier, it's the leading green building certification program, and it's used worldwide. Even though it does come from the U.S., the U.S. Green Building Council, it has rating systems and applications that uh, can be used anywhere in the world and has been to certify projects everywhere in the world. Now I say everywhere in the world, but they have certified projects in 165 countries. So that's a lot of countries uh, and territories. So it depends on your political, you know, what what qualifies as a country. But it's about 100,000 projects and more. And a lot of them are coming online every single year. So a lot of them are premier. There's, uh, you know, China has a bunch. The United States has a ton. You know, and a lot of nations are really buying into that as a certification program because it is very point-based and very stipulated with what qualifies. So why data centers, though? Why, why bother having a green certification for data centers? Well, it comes back to the core mission of what the U.S. Green Building Council is looking for, and they're trying to provide green buildings everywhere and transforming making them better so that everyone that's involved has a better life has more sustainability etc and that also applies to data centers so even though the data centers might be locked away or behind fences and ultra secure that vision of having a better building and better performance of that building also applies to that data center and oftentimes that's how i look at it is it comes down to the environmental that uh that energy use and that environmental use at that locality so that you're maximizing the energy use, minimizing the impact of water and other resources. And to that end, you're meeting lead, but you're also usually saving a lot of money and a lot of effort for what that building is going to have, and it's going to be more sustainable and last much longer. Now, is that lead program, is it unique? Is it special? In a lot of ways, yes, it is. Um, a lot of buildings are being done with LEED certification, um, and data centers are among those. So they're starting to get more and more LEED data centers that are coming online. And it's not hard to get. There are a lot of the companies that are designers and contractors, the builders, everyone knows what LEED is. So if you say that you want to make a green data center and you want to use the LEED scoring system to go ahead and certify it, Everyone will know what you're talking about, the designers, the contractors, usually the developers as well, and uh, everybody in between. And usually they'll have like a point person that can take on that lead project, whether it's the architect or engineer, 
and they will go ahead and figure out how to start to come up with strategies in order to make that building LEED certified or LEED certifiable. Now most big companies will have a sustainability director or someone that's looking out for the environment on behalf of the company and that director, that uh, person in charge, they'll be looking at some of those buildings that that company might own and all those buildings including data centers can be certified or certifiable and that leads a lot to the energy use and the environmental impacts that those buildings might have so as they're registering that and they're trying to figure out how much you know their greenhouse gas impacts are their co2 etc they can start to look at some of the certifiable areas where you know what if we do this new building if we redo our data center or we move into a lead certified data center we're going to have less environmental impact. It's going to be better for the company. And it also works you know, overall for the company as well as the people that are involved with it. Now, it's not just the corporations that have their own data centers that are they're operating themselves. It's also any of the co-location or anyone else because it does have a competitive advantage whenever you have those corporate leaders or people that are in charge and they have sustainability goals that they're looking to meet. If you can market that and say, you know what, we have a LEED certified data center, you can go ahead and sign up with us and automatically meet those LEED goals that you might have internally. You can go ahead and do that. And on top of that, there's usually an improved performance, you know, financially, just because the energy efficiencies tend to be there and tend to be there, uh, you know, in addition to the reliability aspects of a typical data center. So if you're looking to attract tenants and such, um, you can sign up uh, those tenants and let them know that they have a LEED certified building that they're going into. And those tenants can also pay extra for that and they might just do that. So if you're looking at, oh, well, we had to pay like a little bit extra in order to get this LEED data center certified. Well, you can pass that along to those leases. And guess what? You're probably saving enough energy that you're passing that along and not even raising those prices at all. So you can look at that and you can look at also that there's less vacancy rates that tend to go with lead buildings as well. And, you know, data centers tend to be a little bit private on who they're leasing out to and such. So we don't know exactly what the vacancy rates are for lead data centers versus not. But I would suspect that you're probably not having much vacancy in, in a lot of those data centers either. Lead looks for the amount of energy and water savings that you have. So for a data center, usually you're having much more energy and water use overall than any other building type. Hospitals might get close depending if it's a small data center, but if you have a 10, 20, 30 megawatt data center, you're easily outstripping any of the other buildings that are going to be using energy. And if you look at it per megawatt, so you want to look at that energy savings and every megawatt that you're using, say 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365, even if you throw in some diversity factors of only using, say, 30% um, on a PUE of 1.5, you are still saving a massive amount of energy. Even if you only, you know, knock it down by 5%, you're saving thousands and thousands, uh, you know, upwards of millions of dollars on one data center, depending on how energy efficient you can get it. And that payback, if you start to do those payback evaluations, that starts to become really easy to prove that getting that energy savings is going to be the best for the data center. And if you can do that and make those investments to say, increase your efficiency of your UPS systems or your air handler systems or chillers or whatever you might have at the building. Yeah, go ahead and make that investment. 
because it's probably going to be worthwhile in the end. Okay, let's dig into more of the specifics of lead here. And right now, there is lead version 4 that's been out for a while. There has been a version 4.1 um, as of April of 2021. And that's been out there. And what you can do right now is basically pick which credits you want to use from which program. So oftentimes for a lead for data center, you're probably going to be using that lead 4.0. But you can go ahead and add a few things like 4.1, say, for electric vehicles or some of those other things that are a little bit different where you get a, a few more credits that you can go ahead and pull into your LEED accreditation if you want to. Now, within the LEED scoring system, there's nine different categories, and that includes having some of those that are prerequisites. Each category has some prerequisites. Well, not all of the categories, but... Um, you need to check those prerequisites under each one of those categories just to make sure that you qualify for those. Those prerequisites will make or break whether you can do lead at all. So if you can't make it under one particular category, you can't make a, a lead certification at all for the building. So you need to read through and understand those first. Now that you have an idea that you can meet the prerequisites, you can see the number of points that you can get as well. Out of 110 maximum possible points, you need to get 40 in order to get certified at all. Then there's other levels such as silver, gold, and platinum, and you need 50 for silver, 60 for gold, and then 80 for platinum. So 80 out of 110 points can be a pretty tall order for a lot of facilities, especially data centers. Especially whenever you're looking to just get certified, it seems like, well, it's a little bit lofty in order to have that. And certified might be something even tough for a lot of data centers to get as well, just because you might not be going after that optimized energy performance as well as you might think. And that's 18 points out of the 110 possible points that you can get. So if you're looking at that and you're crossing that off saying, I'm just going to meet the minimum energy performance level and that's it, or I'm not going to be doing that much commissioning. Well, you're crossing off points that you just know that you're not going to, to strive for. And therefore, just getting certified can be a struggle for some data centers to get. Now, realize that these points that we're talking about and getting certified, that is done by USGBC. You have to do all of those point measuring and everything like that. You have to do that all. And oftentimes, consultants will help you out with that. And they'll have experience with that. And they'll also have experience with working with USGBC and showing the calculations, showing how you're doing some of these things renewable energy or certain aspects for say electric vehicles or bicycle facilities those different things on that site and how you're planning for it and just point it out on the plans or within the calculations and that's all that needs to be done but usgbc has to recognize that it's been done correctly and they go ahead and vet that and approve that that credit can be awarded to that particular project so if you think of it sort of like a, you know, you, you need to go ahead and get your building permitted, it's like an extra permitting process where USGBC is saying, you know what, you need to meet these certain standards for these particular credits, and then you get those points awarded to you. And then you start racking that up as you go through the building process, the design process, and the actual construction process in order to have all of that verified. So if you think about everything that needs to be done, you are going through that USGBC process and it's not done after the design is done. It's done after the construction is done oftentimes and after that commissioning is completed. And then there's 
building level energy monitoring and metering that has to be done within say a year or two and you have to kind of sign up for doing that long-term energy monitoring as well for some of those points so it's not just like a certification or a permit where oh okay we we got through this we got the number of points and we're good oftentimes there's follow-up that goes along with that in order to make sure that you have that lead certification Let's jump into some of the specifics for lead for data centers and the different categories. The first category we have is the integrative process, and that's super easy. You get a point out of this just for showing up, having a lead plan, pulling together some stakeholders, whether it's designer, developer, and just coming up with a plan for which credits you're gonna go after. Boom, that gives you one point right off the bat. Fantastic, right? The next category is location and transportation. And usually if you're looking at a data center, you don't have too many choices here. Lead for neighborhood uh, development location isn't really a viable one. You are looking at like a lot of the sustainable sites and those kinds of things that you just won't be able to do. Um, some of those with that site choice also, I mean, a lot of this goes to how much choice do you really have for developing that different site. And lead is honestly looking at, well, if you're a developer, you know, you are looking at say three or four different sites to put a building on. But if you're a data center, you are usually superseding the lead needs for something else, such as power and fiber, uh, making sure that you have those running through that site before you're looking for, uh, you know, say additional quality trans transit that might be nearby. And that's one of the credits that you can get just to say, look, we, we know that we have a number of bus routes that are there or a metro line or whatever that might be in order to provide access so people don't need to drive all the time. But there's some that are easy, like bicycle facilities. Boom, you can just provide some facilities. And it's not just putting a bike rack out front anymore. All right. That's how it used to be kind of done. But now you need to provide storage as well. And if you provide some of that in order to provide for bicycles, those kinds of things, you can easily get that credit. That's a nice one to get as, as well. Um, and then there's reduced parking footprint. To me, all the data centers should have this. Usually the, you know, the per capita for, for the footprint of a data center by square footage tends to be much, much lower than even say a warehouse. Um, and that reduced parking footprint is an easy one to get as long as the counties will accept that as well because you need to look at that minimum amount of parking that's required by the county or your jurisdiction and just making sure that you're meeting that and also having that reduced footprint as well. There's another one under 4.1 with electric vehicles so you can go ahead and grab that one. It's basically providing that electrical infrastructure to say add some chargers um, for a number of vehicles that are that can be a uh, uh, positioned on the in the parking lots. The next category is sustainable sites and there's a prerequisite here for construction activity pollution prevention so it's just indicating to the contractor how to prevent any of that pollution from going into the stormwater those kinds of things. So if you give that a quick read it should be easy to get under that prerequisite. But the other credits that are under sustainable sites can be tough to get for data centers based on the site itself. Like it depends if you have a site assessment, usually that's done um, pretty thoroughly for a data center so that you can make sure that it could be occupied, meet that credit. But you're oftentimes not going to be restoring a habitat or have a lot of open space. Oftentimes that's not something the data center is going to be aiming for. Rainwater is another one, rainwater management and you need to watch for quality and quantity for that rainwater ma management. And usually for data center sites, oftentimes that's 
done just to meet whatever that local municipality might have if that jurisdiction is requiring a certain amount of ponds and those kinds of things they might dictate that where it's not really uh, applicable for that rainwater management those kinds of things heat island reduction is another one that's basically you can start to to look at and do it's credit that you might be able to pick up or a couple credits you might be able to pick up and then there's light pollution reduction under sustainable sites and you need to be careful about light pollution reduction because oftentimes your security team might go against that and supersede whatever that light pollution needs to be met are and usually that's a that's a vast cutback on security perimeter poles or anything like that so if you have fencing with security lighting or even building security lighting you might be up against a wall on what the security is versus what this light pollution reduction credit requires the next category is water efficiency and there's three prerequisites here outdoor and indoor water use reduction so you need to look at those prerequisites and you have to meet by a certain percentage for that um, basically the outdoor water use reduction means that you're not watering plants that kind of thing with the irrigation system and you can get a couple points for that as well and then there's indoor water use reduction which also has a points associated with it with the amount of water that you have that you're using for say potable water um, and you can get credits with that if you use like low flow fixtures and um, you know basically just have uh, you know no water urinals those kinds of things that you want to add into the building and you can get some good points with that it should be attainable with most of today's designs especially for data centers now the operations and maintenance team might not prefer that but it is something that's attainable for lead it's just you know one of those things you need to provide for and have that expectation of whenever you go ahead and get those additional credits as well then there's another prerequisite which is building level water metering you just need to make sure that you're meeting what that prerequisite is looking for and they want you to measure all the water that's going into the building basically and being used and that water metering you know is looking at not just the potable water but if you have like a reclaimed water system or a gray water system or a purple water whatever you your color is or whatever it is that you're reusing some sort of water that's not potable but you're reusing that for say your cooling system or flushing system those kinds of things you can also have that metered as well and you can get additional water metering in order to as a credit in order to just figure out how much water you're using how much you're releasing and how much you're evaporating so a data center might be using an evaporative system and if you can go ahead and look at that there's a lot of water efficiency credits that you can get here now that water efficiency credit is uh, all those credits can be really optimized for an evaporative cooling system and help out your energy which we'll talk about next but the the thing is like it really goes hand in hand with having an evaporative cooling system whether it's direct or indirect evaporative you can really start to gain a lot of water efficiency credits as well as a, that energy credits and you can start to get all of the 11 credits that you can obtain out of this particular category so you just need to pay attention to what that's going to be and that includes an additional credit that's uh that's uh, pulled out here called optimized process water use and that's just what i'm talking about is making sure that you optimize all the water use that you have for the entire building and in a lot of ways you can do that for data centers pretty easily if you're paying attention to how the design is done and you can ask your me mechanical the the cooling design team how that's being done and what you might be able to do to improve that in order to get more credits out of this category
Now for the big category for data centers, energy and atmosphere. Now there's four prerequisites under this particular category. And it's just that fundamental commissioning is first. You have that commissioning verification. I hope for your data center that you're doing at least that. There's also points related to that, six points that you can get for enhanced commissioning. And that really can work to your advantage, especially if you're testing and making sure that your system is operating under that enhanced commissioning as optimized as it possibly can be for your data center. And for data centers, I will mention that, you know, you do have that optimized performance that you want to commission to under say your maximum load, but also diversify that load a little bit and also look at that minimum. You know, how many times have we seen a data center that goes, go ahead, you know, it opens up and you have that entire room of a data center and you only have one row of racks, right? And suddenly you can't really keep that maintained because it's, it's really hard to have that equipment, you know, that's basically sized or designed around that maximum to operate at such low, low load conditions. So you can go ahead and try to get that in that enhanced commissioning. Um, next prerequisite is minimum energy performance, and you have to meet a certain criteria here, and that's based on a number of options. So you can look at the number of options under, uh, you know, what you're what you're looking for for that energy use. But it goes to that optimized energy use performance as well. So the optimized energy performance is 18 credits, but you do still need to meet a minimum here. And for data centers, you have all sorts of choices. Well, I won't say all sorts of choices, but you do have several options, four options under this. Um, one of those options is to use ASHRAE 90.4 um, 2016, and they have uh, the ability to document how you're optimizing this, those systems there. You can also use the system optimization method or the prescriptive compliance method, um, or you can go ahead and do the energy performance compliance, which you know basically is what you're looking at in order to get those 18 credits. The other ones, you're not looking at uh, getting nearly as many credits, but if you do have a really good performing system, again, the evaporative cooling system uh, is really efficient for this, you can go ahead and start to claim up to those 18 credits and get a lot out of that. So that's that minimum building performance, or minimum energy performance that you really need to meet. And for that minimum energy performance, you, you are looking at meeting a certain bench line uh, for that. And that tends to be against ASHRAE 90.1. So that's the American Society of Heating and uh, Refrigeration um, uh, Engineers. And basically they've come out with that standard. It's been out there for years. It's very, uh, you know, very robust. It's been uh, used a lot of different ways, but they're looking at that, uh, you know, that Appendix G for that performance rating method. And once you go through that, you're meeting what that's going to be. Um, and LEED has been changing that throughout the years to what that compliance is going to be for that minimum. So you need to basically make sure and reread that to make sure that you're complying with exactly what they need. Now, this is one of the most hotly debated things whenever I've dealt with USGBC is making sure that your optimized energy performance numbers and that minimum energy performance all meet what they're looking for. So make sure that you have exact calculations and you can give them a whole binder full or two or three binders full for a data center of energy use, looking to see how many you know days a year, how many hours, and where you're saving that energy throughout a year. Um, especially if you're using you know like certain uh, economization systems, whether it's water or air economization systems, how you're using that in different schemes and control methods. All of those different things go into that, but it's not just that that goes into that energy use. 
on the mechanical side and cooling, it is also all of your UPS and electrical systems. What are those losses on the transformers or any time that you have like an energy change, you're stepping down from say that, that uh, medium voltage coming from the utility and you're transforming down to 480 or whether it's from 480 to, you know, 122, you know, 270 or 120, uh, 208, whatever you're, you're doing, you have losses each step of the way. And you need to go ahead and show that in your energy performance for that entire building, for that entire data center. So it can get very, very complex, very fast. And I could spend a lot of time talking about that, but we need to keep moving here. Um, next on some of these things, the uh, building level energy metering, this is something that a data center should probably go ahead and do anyway, but that's a prerequisite and they only ask for a certain amount of energy meeting, uh, metering, which has also been changing through the years. So look at that, see what you need to do in order to meet that minimum. There's also fundamental refrigerant management. And that's just making sure that your cooling performance for that data center is meeting that refrigerant need and trying to get rid of any of those, uh, you know, hydrofluorocarbons, etc., um, and use those green refrigerants instead. So that's one of the things that you can also get under your enhanced refrigeration or refrigerant management is to say, you know what, we're not using anything that, you know, has a greenhouse or ozone depletion, those kinds of things. And the numbers are there for that. You can go ahead and meet that. Um, for that extra credit as well. We talked about enhanced commissioning and you need to go ahead and figure out what your commissioning plan is going to be to see how much commissioning you're going to sign yourself up for. Um, and then you have grid harmonization and this tends to be looking at what you can do to sort of offset the peak uses for the grid. Now data centers aren't going to dial down their energy use for this so I don't really imagine many data centers are going for this grid harmonization because it's a demand response and you can't really meet that with the data center. The data center has got to be used when it's being used. And if that matches, you know, if that's a peak on the grid, it's a peak on the grid. You're not going to dial down necessarily um, what that data center is going to do. You're not going to restrict what those users are going to do for that data center just based on what that grid, you know, those grid peaks are. So you can kind of count those credits out. Renewable energy is one that you can go ahead and look look at, but it's basically, you know, how much renewable energy can you bring to the facility um, and what's going to be acceptable. So, you know, you're looking at that utility service and you might be saying, you know what, we've got a 10 year lease on some other renewable energy project. You might be able to sign that up in order to go ahead and say, you know what, our all of our energy is going to be offset for that data center you know, per year or certain percentages per year using renewable energy, whether it's a solar or wind project that's down the street or, you know, across the state, whatever that is, you just need to make sure that you can uh, meet that for what that renewable energy credit is going to be. Okay, next is materials and resources. This category has one prerequisite, just the storage and collection of recyclables. Just indicate that you have a recyclable bin or those kinds of things, and you should be good to go. And usually that applies to just the office area of a data center. It doesn't come in demand for the data center with the collection of all the recyclables, but it's usually with most of the data centers, they are looking to reuse or sell equipment, those kinds of things. They might destroy a hard drive, you know, have a hard drive smasher, that kind of thing. But a lot of the rest of the equipment can be recycled or reused. 
Um, some of the credits though, building lifecycle impact reduction, there's certain things that you can look at that and you can go ahead and see how much reduction that you can get. So whether it's a 5% reduction, those kinds of things, you can go ahead and pick up a point and maybe two off of that pretty, pretty easily just on looking at what that impact reduction is going to be. Now there's some others, the environmental uh, product declarations. Uh, you're probably not going to be looking at that for data center particularly, or the sourcing of raw materials and where you can get that from. For data center, oftentimes you're just looking at, let's get this thing built, make sure that we have it as a reliable data center, those kinds of things. And some of these details sort of fall on the wayside and they become credits that you don't worry as much about. To track it and to do it for say two credits sometimes can be more trouble than it's worth because it has a lot of detail that goes in with that, with that, um, those environmental product declarations and sourcing of raw materials and the material ingredients. Those credits, six credits in total for those three, uh, three uh, subsections there, that can be a lot of documentation in order to go ahead and prove and get those credits. And the last one is construction and demolition waste management. This can be written into what the designers can have that contractor do. And it's kind of a, I don't want to say it's a minor change, but you can do it and you need to add it to that contractor scope so that they make sure that they've got that accounted for and how they're doing that demolition uh, waste management as it applies to that particular site. The next section is indoor environmental quality. And we've got a couple prerequisites for that that deal directly with air quality. The first is minimum indoor air quality performance, and that's just saying, you know, we've got a certain amount of filtration, certain amount of, uh, you know, outdoor air intake, those kinds of things, and you meet that prerequisite. Usually, if you're meeting a lot of the authorities that have jurisdiction, you know, a lot of different counties and such, you're going to meet that requirement without too much trouble. The next is environmental tobacco smoke control. And that's probably going to be mad if you just say, you know, please no smoking in the building or around the intakes or, you know, the entrance doors, those kinds of things. Boom, you meet that prerequisite pretty easily. The next are credits though. And they say, you know, like you have enhanced indoor air quality strategies. And that means you're adding an enhanced filtration method in order to go ahead and make sure that your building air is going to be better for the the indoors overall now this has been stipulated um, well in advance of covid era that we seem to be you know evolving into and that enhanced indoor air quality strategies go ahead and try to get those points because we need more building flushing more environmental air quality that's going to be uh, improved overall whether it's for the office spaces um, or for the data hall spaces as well. Next up is low emitting materials. And this means that if you put in a new carpet or you know something else or paint, those kinds of things, it can have all sorts of emissions that go into the building and then they stay there. And if people are operating and working around that, um, if you don't flush that out and get rid of those low emitting materials, um, you know, you can have longer lasting effects. So a lot of those low emitting materials aren't even specified. So if you go ahead and improve your specifications for the architectural, um, you know, just any of those low emitting materials that you can get rid of with anything that, that emits, you can go ahead and start to claim those credits. So those seem to be like an updated spec kind of credit, but it's also a little bit of a cost in order to have those low emitting materials, but not that much. I mean, it's basically achievable at little cost whenever you're looking at it. So we can go ahead and look at a data center as increasing that, you know, by getting, you know, a certain amount of that low emitting materials and getting three credits from that kind of easily. 
Another is construction indoor air quality management, just making sure that you have that uh, as things are going on. And then there's indoor air quality assessment, which you have after the fact. Basically, you need to flush before the occupancy of the building. Um, you know, if you have, say, a dedicated outdoor air system, um, it might be a little bit limited and you might have to, uh, you know, keep that building flushing out for a while in order to comply with that. Next up is thermal comfort and you're just complying with, you know, yes, you're meeting that it's not too cold or not too hot within the building, especially the occupied areas. And for data centers, it's not that big of an area. So you should be able to pull this off without too terribly much effort. The ones that you will have effort with are though uh, interior lighting and a lot of data centers just do not have the interior lighting lit to a level that's going to be qualifying for uh, for this particular credit. You can look at this and try to uh, you know work with USGBC to have that interior lighting credits just for those occupied areas and have that um, while you're also doing that those energy savings as well. But you're not really going to claim those daylight uh, credits. There's three credits that are attributable attributable to having daylight within those occupied areas and for most data centers you're just not going to meet it you're not going to have the windows the number of windows the size of the windows it's going to allow daylight into enough areas of those occupied spaces and the same with quality views you're just not going to have a quality view from your data center out into the parking lot or out under the highway where you might be located you're just not going to have as many big windows for as many people that are going to be occupying the building. So oftentimes you're crossing that one off as well. And the same with acoustic performance, it's just not going to be, you know, one of those things is going to be evaluated in order to pick up a credit there. Now the next section is very vague. It's the innovation section and you can get six credits out of this maximum. So basically you can choose five different ones from the innovation catalog. And for data centers, there's actually 11 credits that you can chase after. So you can look at those individually. So for instance, uh, you wanna go for green building education, you can get an innovation point for that. And that means that you're basically, you know, adding some education elements to the building itself to educate those that might be visiting. For data centers, yeah, you can go ahead and do that, but how many visitors are you really having inside your, your fence? Those kinds of things, unless it's someplace that you really want to open up for the public to, to view. Um, there's 10 others, um, you know, and it goes from like different green advantage certification to uh, renewable energy, distribution generation. Um, there's well features, there's occupant com uh, comfort survey, those kinds of things. And you can look at the O&M starter kit as well for being an innovation point. A data center should probably look at getting all five of those innovation points if they can. Um, and just go ahead and sign up for that. And oftentimes you can go ahead and make sure that you meet whatever green advantage or whatever system um, that you're looking at uh, um, for those innovation credits and work with, if you're working with a like an innovation uh, credit specialist, those kinds of things, you can go ahead and sign up for some of those things and make sure that you get those five get those five credits out of it. And, uh, you know, honestly, you can go for seven credits and a, a couple of them get knocked down by USGBC where you don't meet everything, say, for the, you know, the build, green building education or the sustainable uh, wastewater management, those kinds of things. You can go ahead and pick up extra points. You can also pick up innovation points, but go by going above and beyond, say, some of the things that um, that you might see. So if you look at that optimized energy performance and say your building is super energy efficient, and you can go ahead and meet the performance by say another 
on the energy or your water use meets that next category up, those kinds of things, you can go ahead and apply an innovation credit on top of that. So you might get the maximum points out of say the indoor water use reduction, but say you reduce it by even more, then you can get an extra innovation point out of that. But the maximum I believe it that you can get is one point on top of everything else. That's all that I've ever seen. And um, I don't think anything that I've read has anything above that. So you can't get exactly all five points from the same category just because you doubled that uh, performance, say, in water efficiency or energy, energy use. Another instant credit is if you are working with somebody who is a lead accredited professional, a lead AP. They've gone through, they've taken the test. Uh, it doesn't matter how old they, they had it as long as it's in current good standing you get a point just for that lead accredited professional working on your project. All right, last section is the regional priority. And this is based on the zip code, essentially. So you can enter the community or enter the zip code and they will spit out six different credits that you can go ahead and use. You choose four of the six and you strive to obtain those credits specifically. So for instance, you might have a reduced parking footprint that becomes, you know, in addition to the other reduced parking footprint um, under the location transportation, and you can get an additional point for that. You can use optimized process water use, and that becomes a water efficiency credit, and you can get a point for that uh, as well. Access to quality transit, you're getting an additional point for that. Uh, protect and restore habitat, renewable energy, optimize energy performance, et cetera, et cetera. And you can look at doing that with, uh, you know, wherever your region is, and you can pick and choose which ones you might want to use. And USGBC will say, okay, they'll line up where the project is, and they will go ahead and do the same thing to figure out which points apply, which ones you chose. So don't try to go ahead and say, oh, I'm going to pick the rainwater management when you don't have that credit available at that particular site location. So you need to be aware of that. But once you go ahead and set that up, you might be able to say, you know what, renewable energy, we're already doing that, we're maximizing that credit anyway. Now we're getting a regional priority credit as well. So boom, we've got not just the renewable five renewable energy credits, we've also got a sixth from having a regional priority. So good for you. Same with you know, some of the others like uh, electric vehicles or rainwater management or whatever it might be. So you need to go on the USGBC website and see that and go ahead and choose that and put those in your priority. And that's all got to happen in basically that integrative process so that you can have a target for which uh, credits you're going to go after and not kind of uh, go back and forth and swap them out. All right, that was a lengthy dive into the lead uh, credit process and everything about uh, where we're at for data centers today. And it would be great to see more lead projects and have it become easier and easier for projects to get lead certified. So hopefully you'll be able to get those 40 points and the jurisdictions that are requiring them are starting to increase throughout the United States and the world. So anticipate that maybe your data center needs to be lead certified or at least lead certifiable. So plan on getting some of those points and start to look at some of those extra calculations that you need to have for lead certification. I think that covers about everything that we wanted to dive into this time, especially with lead and data centers. We can cover more in more depth on particular credits and some of the specifics around energy and water use, I'm sure, in the future. In the meantime, feel free to send any questions at greendatacenterman.com. Check out that website. Also some courses on there 
are available and you get discounts by going through the, the uh, website itself. On the agenda for some of the next podcasts, we will be looking at some of the top cities, the top markets for data centers, how they evolve to be the way that they are, and what does that mean for not just energy use, but for water use as well, and how the jurisdictions might be helping them. Also on the agenda, we'll be talking about uh, some of the email um, and messages and see if there's any corrections that need to be applied as well. Thanks for joining.